0: So, Craig, you're our uh, British expat in residence. Uh, tell us a little bit about how
1: you view the royal family and your history with, with them. Well, I grew up in a very working class neighborhood and my first introduction to the royals was uh, the Queen's uh, Silver Jubilee. We had a fancy dress competition where I actually dressed up as a chimney sweep and I, I, and I <laughs> came second place, annoyingly so, because I <laughs> like to win. <laughs> And, um, and then it was always televised events. So was, everything kind of became a, an event around a, a royal event, I guess. So, for example, when Prince Charles and Diana got married, we were camping in Wales uh, in a massive field with cows and cow dunk everywhere. And we had one of those little portable televisions with the rabbit ears and everything was fuzzy and... <laughs> Um and then, you know, later on when uh when I came to the States we tried to c- carry that tradition. I run a group called Brits in LA. So we put on royal events for them. So we did a, a wetting of the baby's head for when little little um um I forgot his name, George. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so we did a a big party for that where everybody obviously a lot of alcohol was involved, and (laughs) um, we did like guess the weight of the baby, and it it was a lot of fun. And then um, when Will's and Kate got married, we did a a slumber party where everybody came dressed in pajamas and crowns and tiaras, and we did that at the Cat and Fiddle in Hollywood. And then this year, um, obviously for the this big wedding, uh, we're going to do uh, sort of like a a tea party for everybody and a Mad Hatter's party. So, everybody's going to come in fascinators and top hats and. Perfect. Yeah, in the middle of the night, that'll be fun. Obviously, America is very obsessed. Very. <laughs> we can't get enough. So we sort of buy into that a little bit, and we kind of take pride that they sort of belong to us, if that makes sense. Ownership. Pride of ownership. Yeah. But now you're coming into the fold, I you know, know, with an American. We're we're, we're merging together. <laughs> what about you? How, how did you become such a royal
0: aficionado? Well, like most Americans, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a penchant for the royal family. But um, I grew up as a kid, and, you know, like a lot of people as well, it was Princess Diana, you know like she was just the most glamorous woman or person that had ever lived you know and you see this person on television and there was just this frenzy there was this obsession with her and I very quickly um, delved into that and knew everything about her life Um, was devastated when she passed away like inconsolable for days Uh, so that was very much me but I mean it wasn't just even you know the English royal family I was upset I started to become obsessed with all royals and it got to this like I found my I had an uncle who was named um, Larry Antoinette I mean like Larry (laughs) right but But, like, he had this crazy conspiracy theory that he was somehow descended from Marie Antoinette. And, like, me at all 10 years old, I was eating it up. I was like, yes. Were you eating the cake? I was. I was (laughs) going to have my cake and, you know, was going to let them eat cake. (laughs) This is Spilling Royal Tea, a podcast that follows the piping hot engagement of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. From the annals of British history to the wedding chapel at Windsor Castle. The show is half British. And half American, just like the historic marriage of Meghan and Harry. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee,
1: and TMZ's unofficial royal correspondent. And I'm Craig Robert Young, a British-born thespian working in Hollywood, but with a childhood thoroughly steeped in the Crown's culture. In each episode, we will spill the tea... That's American for gossip. ...on the
0: latest stories about Meghan and Harry. Tea will be served with some English history and cultural translations from across
1: the pond that you can't go without. So, without further ado, let's spill the royal tea... Because we are very proper, or at least pretending while at tea, our show follows a proper British structure. Yes, we are preparing for
0: these royal nuptials in the only way
1: we know how, with something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. Which, as you might know, comes from an old 19th century English wedding rhyme. Yes, love it. And our topic for this show is how the ruggedly charming prince
0: and eternally charismatic actress, Harry and Meghan, that is, met. It wasn't Tinder. We'll compare their modern love story to past royal rendezvous. We'll have Jamie Samhan, deputy editor at Royal Central, on with us to spill the tea about how Harry and Meghan's former relationships went. And we'll leave you with our own sage advice about how to find your own, Royal Highness.
1: We'll get to something old in just a minute, but first, we have some tea to serve. Ooh, sounds uh, interesting. The kettle is whistling and the tea is hot. Spill it, Sean. What's the latest gossip on Meghan and Harry? So, John Oliver was uh, talking about
0: uh, the royal marriage that we're going to have, and uh, he had some barbs to throw uh, at the royal family. Oh, uh, tell. Yeah. His advice was get out, basically. <laughs> Run while you still can. Um, so, I expect next year, you know, we'll have a royal-themed version of the movie Get Out, which should <laughs> <laughs> be fun um you a parody know. yeah maybe they'll make that a pine wood i don't know so his quote was about the royal family they're an emotionally stunted group of fundamentally flawed people doing a very silly pseudo job that's what she's marrying into so i hope she likes it it's going to be weird for her
1: it is going to be strange sort of like do you remember katie holmes and the tom cruise thing mm-hmm. and how she was sort of trapped in there and she wanted to Get out, right? You know, maybe it's the same sort of thing. Like, and Diana, you know, when she talked about it in her book, the uh, autobiography, where she felt like she was trapped in this world and she couldn't, she couldn't be herself, right? So I think that that's something that Megan has to probably worry about or be concerned about. Is right. is she able to be authentic? within this royal family i
0: think that she will i mean do you think that the pressure will be different though for you know megan versus like a diana because obviously she's not uh you know going
1: to be a future queen of england you know she's marrying the spare as it were yeah um it's it it is interesting there's something that came out today that i read about um protocol and how she um uh the curtsying so she will have to uh, Curtsied to like princess anne and beatrice um and eugenie uh, and eugenie yeah so whereas before this is a new rule that came in whereas before they would have to bow to her oh really oh, so this is a change this is a change yeah something oh, new interesting. um so yeah so I, she, she's definitely going to be have, have to be briefed on everything that she, you know she has to do in terms of Behavior. Right, right. No, and we did some reporting back um, a few months ago about that Prince Harry is basically, we're
0: being told, you know, is the person who's kind of her etiquette coach. Um, <laughs> so he's very hands on. That'd be quite fun, wouldn't it? I right. Because,
1: you know, he's sort of like the cheeky chappy. Right, of the I was going to say, family. I'm like, how much do we trust him yeah. to. And, and I wonder how, how many of the rules he's going to break and just say, oh, don't worry about that. Forget about it. It's just, it's all show, you know, smoke
0: and mirrors. Right. I think that the, the rules interpreted through Harry's lens might be a bit different than uh, the rest of the royal family might think of them.
1: And the royals have been pretty good at adapting to modern society as well, you know, bending the rules and changing them as they go along. So, But you don't think she should get out? No, I, I actually, I want to see this unfold, right? You know, I, I really hope that they last and that it kind of, you know, runs the gamut of of uh and, and bucks the system i'm really kind of excited to see that i want to see season 11 of the crown
0: i mean for for <laughs> if for nothing else you know exactly. it's going to be great exactly so it's very interesting it is uh so we do have some updates on the royal wedding harry and megan after they get married they're going to go on a little trot in a carriage um, to see their their spectators, and um, I guess Megan's uh, at that point they'll be her subjects or part of you know the her adoring masses, and so they're going to be riding in this carriage leaving uh, the chapel St George's Chapel where they're getting married. They're going to do a processional route uh, and then go back to the castle.
1: Uh, just just to interrupt, were they really quickly a route is a route in England? <laughs> we're going to have a lot oh, of this like oh, you know, yeah. pronunciation thing between us, I right? Think. Right. <laughs> so, well, yeah, and route versus route. Okay. Yeah. Wait, which one am I? Supposed to say, I don't even remember uh, now. Well, if you're English, you say right. route. Uh, oh, no, now I'm confused. <laughs> we say root, you say route, right? Route. Yeah. Yeah. Routing is a whole different thing in England. Right. It's like
0: <laughs> defeated or something,
1: right? Oh, no. It's like when you're at Eton and you know, you get together with another boy and you might do something inappropriate. Oh, I okay. <laughs> That's well, <called> routing. Oh, <laughs> literally learning so much. It's in the movie Another Country, so oh, ch- check it out. Okay,
0: okay, okay. Um, Some vintage action. I like that. (laughs) Um, One of the interesting things that this brought up for me, though, when I was looking at this is I've been looking back at past weddings that have, like, royal weddings that have happened at um, St. George's Chapel. Yeah. And um, Prince Edward was married there um, to Sophie, uh, the Countess of Wessex now. Uh, And one of the interesting things is because it was covered at the time, and it was 1999, so it was about two years after Diane had passed. And so I think there was a lot of interest as well in, like, a royal wedding, something positive, right? They let uh, crowds of people in to Windsor Castle. And so there's this little lawn area um, in, on the other side of the chapel, and people were able to like queue up outside there, um, which was pretty incredible, like, when you watch the video of it, you see how close they are, and I mean, it's literally as close as, like, me to, you know, this, like, 15 feet, maybe, to where the royals were, and so my question that I haven't been able to get answered yet, I'm trying to get Kensington Palace to answer my questions um, on this, they're dodging me on this, they just tell me more will be revealed in time, and I'm like, I know, but I want it now, (laughs) Um, is that, you know, will people be allowed, or my theory is that they're doing this processional route, or, now, see, it's it's all I'm going to think about now, is route or route, this processional um, this procession they're gonna go on this parade. procession parade. Yeah. Thank you. They're gonna go on this parade and it's so that people can see them because they won't be allowed inside the castle. That's my that's my guess right. Verse 1, something old. Okay, so let's get down to our main topic for today, um, how Harry and Meghan met. So this is no ordinary celebrity wedding, but this is a royal wedding. Uh, so it means it's going to be innately
1: embroidered with the past. Mm. So we'll begin with something old. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about how royals wed. Um, historically, there's been much scandal around royalty marrying divorces, as we were talking about earlier, particularly American divorces. Uh, King Edward VIII abdicated the throne to marry Wallis Simpson, uh, an American socialite, and twice divorcee. Uh, could you imagine today if, if how different this all would be if King Edward didn't abdicate it, and Wallis Simpson became queen? There are so many layers to that. Well, actually, it's really interesting because, I mean, apparently,
0: you know, Wallace and Edward never did have children. So it's, it's actually curious to see if it would have, if the same, you know, line of succession, you know, would have actually ended up happening. But yeah, I mean, just think about how different, you know, of a world we're living in now where, you know, Meghan being an American and a divorcee and an actress, like none of those things were, imp- I mean, I'm sure it, it may, it must have been harder. Do you think he had to get permission? I mean, technically, you're supposed to ask for, if you're in a member of the royal family, you have to get the sovereign's permission yeah. to marry. But I just, I don't know. I think that we're living in such a different time. And I think that, like, Queen Elizabeth herself, too, has just witnessed, like, so much drama in the family over over marriages, you know, yeah. so much turmoil and heartache and uh, bad publicity over, you know, not allowing people to marry, whether it's, you know, her sister, mm-hmm. Margaret, and Peter Townsend, group Captain Townsend. Yeah. Uh, and the scandal about that. And people, oh, Charles and Diana, of Charles course. and Diana.
1: And uh, uh, Princess Anne as well. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, you know, so there's been. And it, Andrew. I mean, there's Andrew, been quite a lot of divorces now. A lot of divorces and also just like a lot of, um, you know, royal heartache over, you know, who you can't marry. Charles marrying Camilla is the turning point. I think. Yeah. In terms of like royal marriage protocol changing, you know, in terms of, you know, I mean, it was a bit, I mean, we say it now, you know, like the Duchess of Cambridge, you know, Kate Middleton as her being sort of this perfect prince, like picture perfect princess, you know, she never sets a foot wrong, um, is always on top of everything. But, you know, there was, there were people, there were awful people who were saying things about her, you know, being a commoner, you know, back when she was dating Will and how it was inappropriate, you know, for her to be dating Prince William and marrying Prince William to become the future queen of england you know so it's it's crazy to think about how even like that you know um the english rose you know not that many years ago was also considered somewhat of a scandalous yeah you know and you think about
1: i think diana was really a pivotal part of that change too you know because obviously you know she was on the front cover of vogue you know probably one of the first royals to be on the front cover of vogue yeah you know, she was out with socialites dancing with John Travolta and she was very much a part of, you know, Hollywood royalty in a way as well. She was,
0: yeah, she, I mean, she integrated the idea of like royalty as in just another facet of celebrity, right? Like, yeah. as like a person who's famous for being royal in the way that a person is famous for being an actor or the person who's famous for being, you know, a Kardashian or a designer, whatever it is, you know, like she very much, I think, integrated those and used
1: it to her advantage. But, But I think that she sort of instilled that in her boys too, you know, mm-hmm. like to not necessarily buck the system but be a part of that change uh which i think that we're seeing you know and you know I i think that prince william has a great sense of humor and whenever we see him he seems you know quite mischievous and cheeky and you know obviously has a lot of love for kate um But they are sort of, you know, they're closer in line to the throne. So I think they're behaving a little bit better than – and Harry, as we said, is the spare. So he can afford to have a little bit more fun and, you know, all all eyes are – and probably thinks that, you know, not all the pressure is on him. However, I think that the press are turning more towards this relationship and this wedding – more than Wills and Kate. Well, I definitely
0: think so. I mean, I think that, you know, there's because obviously they're the news item right now. But yeah. I think the interesting question will be seeing how they occupy this role Um After they're married. Right. I think that'll be really interesting because we know how William or we know. Yeah, we know how William and Kate, you know, exist in the royal family. They're the sort of standard bearers, you know, continuing on the tradition of like he's very he very much behaves like a future heir to the throne. You know, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much mischief, um, if any, Harry gets (laughs) Harry and Meghan get up to. Prince Harry even said in a recent uh, interview, he was talking um, about something his mother, Diana, said to him. He said, "Um, you can be as naughty as you like. Just don't get caught.
1: Verse 2. Something new. Okay, so we know how royals get hitched in the past. Now we're going to turn to how Harry met Meghan. And uh, we're really interested in how a modern royal or actress like Meghan dates. I mean, do they have it harder or easier than the rest of us uh, plebs? (laughs) I think it's got to be harder, right? It's got to be. I mean... because you have
0: so much... you I feel like your guard has got to be up so much more when you're a celebrity or when you're a member of the royal family because you're always wondering, you know, is someone seeing you for you? Can you trust this person? Can you really be vulnerable with them? Which is, like, hard enough yeah. as just a normal
1: person, I feel like. I mean, I guess that's why they sort of relate because celebrity is sort of the same thing, you know? Like, if you're dating as a celebrity, how do you know a guy or a girl is into you Uh, because of yourself or because of the image that you portray or the character that you might play on television or in a movie. So yeah, I think that perhaps that's what bonds them in a way.
0: Yeah, I think that they definitely, you know, I think that Megan having been in the spotlight is definitely something that sets her up for success in a way. You know, she's not... She's not coming into this without any experience with attention and media attention and dealing with all of that. So I think that that, you know, you know, and, you know, we learn now that they were set up on, you know, we know that they were set up on a blind date, but we think we know now who set them up. Um, And it seems like this is probably how,
1: you know, people of this... uh, Social caliber, shall we say, would you know would meet. think um, yeah. sure. Okay. Megan's like, oh, you know, guys in L.A. They're so flaky. She wouldn't be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, she maybe we're having a hard time, and so you know, I think it's a normal conversation for single people. It's like, hey, do you have any interesting friends that I might be able to meet? So
0: yeah, so so you know, the person who allegedly we're told is the matchmaker is uh, Violet von Westenholtz. She's the daughter of uh, of a baron. She works in PR with. Ralph Lauren, um, and we believe that that's how she met uh, that
1: she met Meghan. And she was a friend of uh, Prince fr- Harry. Yeah,
0: she was a friend of Prince Harry since, um, since they were kids, basically, I yeah. believe. Um, and so I guess Harry, you know, was kind of asking around, being like, you know, he wanted to settle down and was trying to find someone suitable, and Violet decided to, to play matchmaker. Verse 3, Something Borrowed. Okay, so to help us answer uh, some questions a little bit more about Prince Harry's dating past and how it might have been precursor to his future with Meghan, uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, Jamie Samhan, who is deputy editor at Royal Central. Great. Jamie, welcome to Spilling Royal Tea. Welcome. Thank you. So we're talking a little bit about uh, Prince Harry's dating past, how it might have been prologue to his future with Meghan. Um, And wanted to, you know, you're a a royal expert as well. Uh, Wanted to get a little bit information that you might have about, you know, what his dating life was like before Meghan.
2: Absolutely. So his first kind of serious, very long-time love was with Chelsea Davey, and she was from Zimbabwe. They were together for seven years on and off. Uh, many people thought that she could be the one for a long time, but she really struggled with being in the media spotlight. She grew up with a pet hyena, so quite different <laughs> to anything you know, to do with the royal family. Wow. Uh, from there, then they broke up in 2011, and in 2012, we started dating Cressida Bonas. And she's very considered much an it girl. Princess Eugenie and Beatrice introduced them. They ran in a lot of the same circles. Oh, but once again, she had a hard time with the spotlight that the media brings. She had a dance degree. She wanted to pursue a career in modeling and acting. And she couldn't do that being a royal girlfriend. So ultimately, they only lasted two years. And they ended up splitting. And she is... Now pursuing that career in acting.
0: Is there um, a common thread between you know the characteristics or the qualities that uh, Cressida and Chelsea and and now Megan like have? What do you think? Is it like their personality? Um, like what what do you or is or is Megan like really you know divergent in terms of like the overall type of woman that Harry you know dated?
2: I think Megan's definitely more of a woman. I mean, Harry was very much younger when he dated Chelsea and then Cressida. So they were also younger as well. Megan has had her career. She's gone out, She's done, gone and been successful for herself. And she's okay now taking a step back from that acting career and working on another passion in her life. Where the other girls still wanted to be able to go and create something for their own. So I think Megan is definitely more of a woman and she's confident in herself. She's used to the media attention as being an actress. So she
0: has that confidence that I think Harry needed in someone. I mean, you know, Megan also, you know, she's been married and divorced, and she's yep. had some, uh, she's also dated a high profile celebrity chef. And yep. her first Sorry. husband, yeah, and her first husband was a Hollywood producer. So she's, you know, used to some um, higher caliber, you know, uh, high profile relationships. What, you know, what do you think Megan's past? Like, how do you think that will inform you know her or informed her relationship with Harry, and you know what
2: she wanted? Well, definitely being married before, she kind of knows what that's like and the sacrifices that you do have to make. Unfortunately, that marriage did not last because they couldn't come to a common ground. Megan was in Toronto, Trevor was in L.A., and having that long distance relationship, they just couldn't make it work. But Megan. When she first started dating Harry, I think they said they made sure that they saw each other at least every two weeks. So I think she learned mistakes from her past and realized that, you know, you need to be present. You need to be there for that relationship to work.
1: She's racking up the air miles there. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, no longer, no longer. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, not something no she's going to have now. to have to worry about or keeping track of her frequent flyer miles, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, Jamie, what do you think about them like makes, you know, because I think when you look at them together, like whether it's in an interview or they're, you know, working a rope line saying, you know, hello to the crowds, they do have such chemistry um, together. And it's not just like a romantic chemistry. Like they just seem to fit really, you know, really well. My monarchist, you know, royalist sides are showing. But um, I'm just curious, like, what do you think about uh, like from, you know, all your observations on it? Like, what do you think uh, about them makes them such an excellent match?
2: I definitely think in the beginning, the first thing they probably bonded over was their love for charity work. They both worked with very similar charities. Megan went on a USO tour before. Harry has a big passion for veterans. They both work with different charities and acts for her. So I think that is what originally connected them. But then they just have that same kind of laid back, silly characteristics. And they probably feed off each other and they just make each other fun. Feel
0: relaxed. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it is a lot of pressure, you know, even though some of the events probably look a little bit, you know, super choreographed. But I mean, even Megan <laughs> has already shown that the other day, you know, she was at, um, uh, what was it, the Endeavor? Um, was it the Endeavor Awards or? Yes,
2: with the Envelope.
0: Yeah, it was so great. So she was, you know, presenting these awards, and um, she was with, I believe it was a military service member, uh, a veteran. Uh, is that right, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, he was, he got sort of like lost in his notes and was fumbling over it. And I think there are a lot of people, you know, even pros, you know, who are stepping into this new role and would fumble over themselves and would freak out or panic and not what to do. She was, She was silly about it, but like in a perfectly composed way and just
1: played it off so naturally and helped him, you know, figure out where they were, and they moved on. So with Megan, do you think that she's going to be able to remain authentic or do you think that she's going to have to, you know, step in line? Like, um, what are some of the things that you think that she's going to have to get uh, up to speed on?
2: Well, I do think there are some things that she is going to have to get used to. I mean, she had to delete all her social media accounts that she was so active on. Now the British royals are one of the only ones that don't have social media accounts of their own. That's what people love about the European mm. royals so much. So I was really hoping that Meghan was going to be able to keep that and bring that little personal touch and bring people in to her life as a royal. But then I think other ways, Harry and her are so modern, and you know the royal family does need to change and adapt to stay current with the times. I think she can actually really help that.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for letting us borrow your expert uh, expertise for this.
2: Absolutely.
0: Thank you for being with nice us, pleasure. Jamie. No
2: problem. Bye. Bye.
0: Again, that was Jamie Samhan, deputy editor at Royal Central. Verse 4, Something Blue. The phrase something blue actually comes from uh, back in the old day. The uh, whiter, paler you were, the more you could see your veins, which would show as blue. And so the assumption was that, oh, your blood was actually blue because the higher classes of people would not typically be in the sun. They would be indoors. Uh, Having a tan used to be a bad thing, Uh, used to be considered a sign of being common. Um, I think George
1: Michael changed that in Wham, you know, mm -hmm. Tropicana. Yeah,
0: he was the, (laughs) the big influencer on that that level. That was the turning point um, officially in the history books. So um, but yeah, so that's sort of where this all comes about. But the way that we're going to uh, translate it is that, you know, it was something that something blue used to belong just to the upper classes. And now it's used by everyone when they do their wedding tradition. So we're going to Throw this to the masses as well and see what we can do, uh, what we can interpret from Meghan and Harry, our royals. Um, that might be helpful for you know every in terms da- of dating in right? terms of dating yeah. in terms yeah.
1: of everyday people. Well, because you know now we have the apps. Obviously, right. people can use, but Harry and Meghan didn't. They didn't. Yeah, and they're modern as well. But in you know, I think. It, but tradition is you know. Having somebody make an introduction. I right. mean, you know, there, you, do you remember when you were a child and you used to like write love letters to to people that you fancied, and you know, you put yeah. in an envelope, <laughs> envelope on Valentine's Day, and it was all anonymous. The um, drama of who was gonna, you know, get who was gonna get Valentine's. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you know that's. There's something very romantic about that. Like today, it's sort of lost on the apps. It's, you know, hookup apps and, you know, it's... It's online shopping. What do you look like? Yeah, it's all sort of, a, a, you know, materialistic as opposed to like a chance meeting. You know, right. there's some, that's sort of a, a dying fad. Or
0: using your friend group. Trusting your friends that they are the ones who know you best. Because, I mean, really, that's what happened with Meghan. I mean, they met on a blind date, you know? I mean, the fact that a prince of England, like, met his future wife on a blind date, I mean, like, that is still one of those things that will, like, strike me and I'm just going to, like, laugh at because it's crazy. Would Um, you go on a blind date? Or
1: have you been on a blind date?
0: I've... I've been on a blind date. How did that go? It didn't go well. But, you know what? I'm <laughs> You know what? If anyone is giving me hope that it could maybe go better, Prince Harry, like he he'd be the one to make me give it another shot.
1: Maybe I should try and set you up. Maybe oh, I, God. I, I oh, we, no. we should do that. Oh, no. I should set you up on a blind date uh, <laughs> and in the next episode we should you come back and talk about this is quickly how well turning <laughs> or how bad it went. This is quickly turning into love line. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're basically saying is try and use your friends more. Yes.
0: Use your friends, because I think the apps kind of do feel like Tinder and all the, you know, Bumble Hinge, it's all the other ones, they feel kind of um, dominating. And, yeah. and you don't, and it's like you realize that Meghan and Harry did find, you know, true love with, without that and being these
1: super high profile individuals. That would have been a great story, though, if they did meet on an app, No, that would it? be great. I mean, that's that the best, be,
0: that would have <laughs> been the best promotion. For... It would be,
1: be the best Lifetime movie ever. Segway. Right?
0: <laughs> <But laughs> Which can't wait
1: to see, right?
0: Can't wait. Also not promoting them. But <laughs> yeah. yes, can't wait. <laughs> Well, the tea has been spilled,
1: and it's been rather hot. I'm Sean Mandel. And I'm Craig Robert Young, and thank you for joining us on Spilling Royal Tea, the podcast. Spilling Royal Tea is a collaboration between TMZ and Spoke. Use Spoke to find your next favourite podcast. Learn more at hearspoke.com. Maggie Van Dorn is our executive producer, and you can subscribe to Spilling Royal Tea on Apple Podcasts. For more coverage of The Royal Wedding, visit TMZ.com.